So much good things going on. I want to say hi to my mom who always watches. We'll be up there in a couple weeks for her 80th birthday. I'm very excited about that. Uh, June uh, the 10th, okay? And then uh, if you're watching online, I'm so glad you are. I hope you'll connect in with the chat and uh, fill out the welcome card. We'd love to get to know you. And then we have folks at our Missouri City campus. I just saw an image of a great crowd down there with Terrace. So if you're new down there, uh, man, go by and see Terrace today. And mark on your calendar June 5th. June 5th, Sunday, June 5th, is the beginning of Chad Harold's leadership at our Missouri City campus. He's our new lead pastor there. And we're going to bring him in with a, a great celebration on June 5th, and we're going to have a picnic. So if you're at Missouri City, be sure to mark down your calendar. You don't want to miss June 5th. And then at West End, I'm so sorry, you have to be with Keaton today. <laughs> it's my son. Anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> Abe, Abe's out of town, and uh, Keaton's there holding down the fort. But if you're new there, Keaton would love to buy you a cup of coffee or give you a coupon or whatever he does. And uh, listen, next Thursday, a week from this Thursday, the 26th, is our big concert at the Heights Theater. So if you're uh, at West End, really any of our campuses can do that. Man, we'd love for you to go to our concert at the theater, the Heights Theater. It's really great. You can go to West End dot me slash concert and get tickets. I don't know about you guys, but here at Richmond, we rocked out today, did we not? So good. Man, we was great. All the Episcopalians don't know what to do, but man, we had, had a great time. So I hope everybody goes to the concert. It's a lot of fun. It's a great date night. Thursday the 20, I think it's the 26th. Anyway, look it up. Hey, before we move into the talk today, I wanted to talk to our church family on all three campuses to kind of give an update. Our budget year runs from April to March every year. And so people wonder, you know, well, how'd we end up? You know, how'd we, we, we just closed out our month and uh, this was kind of an unusual, unusual year. So I want to give you sort of an update on where we are. It's be quick. If you're visiting with us, I'm so sorry you have to sit through this, but maybe you'll be interested in it. If you remember our budget next year, we have some uh, graphs here, charts, graphs, whatever. Budget income last year, uh, 2021, 2022, our budget income of $9 million, but we budgeted an expense of $9.5 million and so we had budgeted to have a half a million dollars or $512,000 lots. Now we had saved money for the last 10 years. And so the advisory team and our executive staff, we all decided we didn't want to cut back. People are coming back. We didn't want to make some cuts. And so we just spend the money we have in savings so we can keep this thing going. So how did we end up? Well, here's how we ended up. We uh, actually did a little bit better on our income and we uh, actually did much better in our planned deficit. Instead of 512,000, we only lost 507,000. Let's <laughs> awkwardly clap for that. That's right, five, we lost a half a million dollars. Ah, so funny. <laughs> so, anybody, uh, I'm real proud of our business office and our staff. Listen, in church work, here's the deal. In church work, when you're cutting expenses, you're cutting people typically. And we just didn't want to do that. We didn't want to cut any people. In fact, we gave our people a raise. So it tells you how great our, great our business office, led by our executive pastor, Dean King, has done to make sure that we stay on very strong uh, financial ground so we can continue to do this important work that we're doing. So what's the budget this year? Well, it was got approved. The budget this year is we're budgeting um, an income of $5.2 slightly over what we had 
really brought in last year. And our budget expenses, look, instead of 9.5 million, we're budgeting expenses at 9.3. And so that's really an amazing thing that the business office has done to figure out how to save money when all of our cost is going up. I know all your costs at home are going up. And so our cost at the church has gone up, but yet we cut almost $200,000 out of the expense budget. So we're only planning to lose, put it back, 172000 this year. <laughs> but we have the money in savings and we're strong financially, but this is my commitment to the church. This will be the last deficit year that we have. We can't continue to do this. We're not the government. We can't keep printing money, okay? <laughs> So we have the money. And here's the thing. We just didn't want to cut people because minute, we had 10,000 people at Easter and over almost 7,000 people come to our church at Mother's Day. We have our other two campuses at one at Missouri City and one at West End are growing like crazy. And we wanted to support that growth with great staff, especially for our children's ministry. And we just wanted to make sure that we could take care of people. That's the, we're not in the money business. We're in the people business. And we want to take care of people. So we want you to be involved. So I know if you're visiting, this doesn't pertain to you, but if you call River Point or West End Home on all three of our campuses, we need you to participate. Here's how the giving kind of trended since before the pandemic. If you look at this line graph here, before the pandemic, we had about 2,241 average number of giving families every single month, okay? And we had a very strong year before the before the pandemic. And then when uh, COVID hit, 2020-2021, decline in the number of families giving. And that's certainly reasonable and understandable. That's the way that works. And then last year, we dug ourselves out just a little bit. We had some growth and we went back to 1,930 monthly, average monthly givers. But in order to make the budget this next year, we need 2,130 average giving families to participate, which is about a 10% growth. It's still below the 2019 uh, number of giving families, but we feel like we can do this. And so what I'm asking you, if you call River Point or West End Home, what I want you to do is sign up for routine scheduled giving. As Anna just told us in the bumper, we have a, a full slate of uh, ministry happening this summer, and, and it costs money to do all this stuff. And it's important stuff that we're doing. We're baptizing more people. More people are coming to believe in Christ. Marriages are being helped. I mean, it's just an amazing thing what God's doing here. So we want to participate with God. And I'm asking you as your pastor, if you call this place home, to sign up to be part of this thing financially. When you join the church, that's what one of the things we told you is this is a mission and it's funded by God's people. So here's how you do it. You just uh, text 77977 with your campus keyword and we suck all the money out of your bank account. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a fun? <laughs> no. It's totally within your control. So here at Richmond, it's RPC. Then you see RPC. Mo City, then West End or online. And what happens is, this is how Lisa and I give, is, you know, you can check, you can win, how much, how often, all that stuff's within your control. And whether you come to church or not, you can support the work here. It's really, 
really important. All of our kids are gone, so our cost structure actually went down. And so we are able to give more this last year than we've given before to our budget. And we've upped that again because we know this church is what the church is doing is so important and so vital and so key. So please uh, pray about being a part of this financially, and we'll see. Or don't. It's up to you. Listen, we're trusting God with this thing, and we're going to follow God. From the very beginning, what we've said is whatever God does, we'll follow. That's what we're going to do. And as God gives, we'll, we'll try to reach more and more people. And as things contracted, man, we'll make the adjustments as necessary. We want you to be a part of this. Okay, that's enough of the speech. Okay, visitors, you can check back in now. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, We don't want anything from our visitors, man. We want to serve you and serve our community. The people of this church and all all three campuses are willing to sacrifice to make a difference in your life. And so that's why we're here. Well, we're in the book of James. And um, James is really kind of an in-your-face kind of guy. He's my kind of guy. He doesn't mix words. He's not politically correct. He doesn't soft sell it. He says, this is it. And here's what he's doing. I want you to see this pattern. You'll see this in the next few weeks um, as, as you did in the last few weeks. James is saying to us that our faith in God can make such a difference that we don't have to go with the flow of our culture, that we can do something that really is not natural for us to do. But because we have a belief in God and a trust in God, God can actually change not only our perspective, but our values. And he's, he's, he's hitting on things in our life that if we don't pay attention to spiritually, then naturally we'll go the wrong way. And here's what he said a couple weeks ago. He said, listen, have joy when you encounter various trials. Now, that's not a natural thing. Naturally, when we have trials and difficulties, it becomes a bummer, right? We're a, it's a bummer to us. But he's saying, no, listen, here's the deal. Because of your perspective in God, and you know God's not left you, there's actually, there's some joy you can encounter by this difficulty that's happening. And then last week, we talked about the fact that, hey, if you're really following Christ, you can be quick to hear and slow to speak. That's not natural. For most of us, the natural thing is not being a good listener and speak our mind. But he says, no, you're Faith in Christ will allow you, allow you to reverse that order. And today is a different field. Now, what he's going to talk about today, here's what I'm going to say. Be offended if you need to be, okay? But this is something we're all guilty of. Because we live in a culture that does this. And we're in this culture. And if we don't pay attention to our faith in God and surrender to Christ, then this is something we're all going to be guilty uh, and so I want us to pay particular attention. I know when you read it, you're going to go, that's not me. I don't do that. That's, I, don't, I don't do that. But I'm telling you, you do. We all do. Now you're offended. Okay, great. Okay, well, let's read it. It says this, chapter 2. It says, my brothers and sisters. So again, he's calling the family together. He's saying, hey, brothers and sisters, listen to me. I got to tell you something hard. Here's what's going to happen here. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. So he sets this platform here pretty, pretty amazing way. He says, listen, family, listen, this is what's happening. If you're a believer in the glorious, he sets the table by describing Jesus as glorious. He's saying you must not show favoritism. That's why you, you treat certain people a certain way because they can do something for you, and you treat other people a different way, an opposite way, because they can't. And what, what he's saying here is, hey, this is clear. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to see people the way God sees them. 
You've got to actually have this faith that you say you have in Christ make a difference in how you view other people. And if we don't pay attention to that, then we'll view people, we'll categorize people, we'll discriminate against people based on a standard that the world provides us, and it's an abomination to God. He's saying this, he's saying this, we can't show favoritism because compared to the glorious, look at that word, glorious, glorious, the holiness, the perfection, that's Jesus Christ, we're all broken and fallen, we're all the same. God doesn't look at us different. God doesn't have a favorite because we're all his favorite. And some of you are bitter today because your parent, your mom or your dad, showed favoritism toward a sibling and you weren't it. Ha! Neither was I. A lot of counseling involved with that. But God doesn't show favorites. Our Heavenly Father doesn't show favorites at all. We are all the same in light of God. We're all broken. We all need forgiveness. We all need compassion. We all need grace. And I know we might rate each other based on some sort of standard of the world where we're better or worse, but we, we, we can't do that. In fact, here's what he goes on to say. He gives an example. You know where this was happening? This was happening in church. And he gives this example of favoritism. He says this, suppose a man comes into your setting, your meeting, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. So two kinds of guys come in, right? Now, in the first century, there was no banks, and so you wore your wealth. You, you had a lot of land, and you wore gold, and you wore jewelry. I mean, when you were wealthy and well-off in the first century, which was very few and far between, Everybody knew your name. Everybody knew who you were. So the contrast that James is making here is the guy that's very wealthy that comes to church and then the poor guy, and he puts this little thing in here, filthy, old, smelly clothes. I mean, you couldn't get two different, two different types of people coming in. He says, listen, here's what's happening. And look what the church was doing there in the first century. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, you get the pictures like, oh, man, come on, come on. You're going to be a big giver. And, you know, we had a deficit last year. So come on, you know, come on, sit, sit here, sit here, sit here for a VIP section. Get up out of that chair. This person's, that's kind of the ideal here. Can you imagine that happening? It does happen. How many times have you regulars, now I'm going to get personal. How many times have you regulars came in to find somebody else sitting in your chair? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. How dare them? Oh, that happens to sitting in my chair. I saw y'all sitting, I I almost didn't recognize you. You're sitting in a different place. And I said, what happened? Why aren't you sitting? Well, they they took my chair. (laughs) Uh-huh, mm, cuss word. Anyway, so he says, listen, here's a good seat for you. But, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet. You have not, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with, say those two words, evil thoughts. So when you show favoritism to people, especially when you, when you treat poor people bad, it's not just a sin, it's evil. Now, I don't think we categorize it that way. And I tell you, I'm telling you, 
I know you at West End of Missouri City should be offended because I know you guys got it all together over there. But I'm telling you, man, we all do this. There is some, some ritual in our culture that says if you've got the title, if you've got the money, if you've got the car or the house or the looks or the followers, you get treated differently in this culture. Just ask poor people. I'm telling you, they don't get a fair shake. It does it the way it works. And James is saying, you're a child of God. You can't do that. Stop doing that. Everybody has an equal opportunity for the same number of seats. We don't treat people differently around here. And this idea of discriminating based upon some worldly standard is corrupts, corrupts our values and corrupts our soul. And the church hasn't been really the leader in this deal. So whether you're discriminating on the color of somebody's skin or their wealth, you, know, you treat people better because something that they can offer you, they can buy you a house or give you an opportunity or Astros tickets. I like Astros tickets. You got season's tickets, you might just be my best friend. But God says, man, be careful here. And this divide, listen, this divide that we have is so real in our culture. Based on racism, I mean, what's happened in Buffalo, New York, with 10 people being shot to death in this racially motivated, seemingly racially motivated thing that's happened. It's just sort of how evil this can become that somewhere along the way we diminish and devalue God's people in such a way that we actually dehumanize them. And boy, God can't do that. Whether, and God wants us to treat everybody the same because he sees us all the same. So in a country that's deeply divided between Republicans and Democrats, God's people are supposed to love everybody the same. I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's why I love our church, man. There's people from every background, every color, and they vote in every way. And every Democrat thinks I'm with them, and every Republican thinks I'm with them. <laughs> and I love it. It ain't worth dividing on. You know, we're all the same. I'm telling you, God doesn't show favoritism. Paul said it in Romans like this very clearly. God does not show favoritism. We're all the same. And the problem with this is that when we start treating people differently based on some standard of the world, especially the color of their skin, then we don't understand the love of God. We don't understand where our faith can make a difference in our life. And we start showing favorites because here's the thing, this is hard to hear. We don't really have a clear understanding of ourself. And there's this insecurity about you and me. I'll just talk about me because you quit listening. Listen. There's this insecurity about me. If I can find some person in some category that I can figure out that I'm better than or more valuable or more special or God's favorite, then it gives me some false sense of value that I've imputed upon myself. 
So if you're not careful with this and don't understand that your value comes from your creator and all life honors God because we're made in God's image, if you don't get that, then you're going to start creating these chasms of differences among different people so that you can feel better about you. Maybe not. Maybe I don't even know why we do it. That's why I do it. I mean, I went to preacher school and all, you know. I got a master's degree, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't ask me about my SAT score. <laughs> or the fact that I barely got out of every level of grade I ever graduated in. I am not a good example. But that insecurity in me wants to create a value system where I'm on top. Why do you do it? Why, why, why do we discriminate? Is it this academic discrimination or sex discrimination or race discrimination? or Why do, why, why do we do it? I think we do it ultimately, this is the kind of the preacher answer, is because we don't really understand how God views us. We don't really understand how God views everybody else. And we haven't bought into that value system completely. And so we hang on to this worldly cultural system that says, these are the good people. These are the not so good people. I'm going to treat these people because they can do something for me. I'm going to treat them differently than I'm going to treat these people. And James addresses it. He goes on to say this. I mean, he didn't, this isn't just a passing comment for James. He says, listen, listen, dear brothers and sisters. Listen, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And what you're seeing here is James is saying, God's taken the value system of this culture and turned it upside down. And what we think is important, God doesn't think is important. And what we don't think is important, God says is important. Faith is important not wealth. And he says, listen, and to inherit the kingdom, he promised those who loved him, but you have dishonored the poor. It's not about the fact that we get starstruck when somebody comes in that we admire. That's okay. It's the fact that we treat other people poorly. That's the problem. It's the fact that we dishonor people that God honors, that God values. We all do this. And you're saying, no, I don't do this. Yeah, yeah, you do. I'm going to follow you around for a week. <laughs> Just be in the background going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> he goes on to say it this way. He says, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones giving you the problems? Why do you admire the rich and treat the poor so badly? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming and making fun of you because you follow Jesus, the noble name of Jesus to whom you belong? And he goes on to say, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture to love your neighbor, we all do, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We all like that one. We love you. you are doing right. That's the right thing to do. But if you show favoritism, you sin. Don't you just love James? He says, oh, it's so easy to say, love your neighbor as yourself. But when you show favoritism, you sin, right? You sin and are convicted by the law. You're a lawbreaker. 
So why don't you reconcile this value system in your mind? Why don't we teach our children that everybody is valuable, equally valuable, and that we ought to treat people differently? You know, when you get into middle school or in high school, it's a caste system out there. It's difficult. What if our children, I'm not saying put pressure on your kids. My kids were terrible. So listen, I'm just saying your, your kids, what if your kids cared about the people that weren't sitting with the cool people at the lunch table? I mean, what if, what if there's a value system that so infiltrated our families that when our neighbor came in that didn't look like us or, 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 or didn't, didn't do what we feel like is valuable, then all of a sudden we treated them special. We loved on them because God values them. When Jesus was asked about his neighbor, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. They said, well, who is our neighbor? Help us define that, Jesus. And he gave this illustration of the Good Samaritan. Remember that story? You should read it. The Good Samaritan. And here's what was so controversial about that story. If you remember, the Good Samaritan helped the person who was robbed and beaten. But Jews hated Samaritans. And Samaritans hated Jews. And for Jesus, a Jew, to make the Samaritan the hero of the story was so radical. It's a radical idea. And what God is saying to us, he's saying this. He's saying, listen, we got to stop measuring up everybody to feel better about ourselves. We got to stop categorizing people. These are all God's created people and we're all the same and we're all broken and there's not one good, not even one. So we, got, we can't treat each other that way. We got to treat everybody with compassion, with empathy, with love, with care, with sacrifice. They all matter to God. They all matter to God. In this world, it's about your title and about your, what you're driving, about your shoes, whatever it's about. But not so with God. In fact, in the Old Testament, this is not a new idea. In the Old Testament, Samuel says it this way. He says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look upon his appearance or his height or his statue because I've rejected him. I know the world thinks he'd be a great leader, but I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. That's an important idea. That the Lord doesn't see the way man sees. And the inverse would be true. Man doesn't quite see the way the Lord sees. But the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's the shift that James is trying to get us to make. Because of our faith in God, we can no longer see as the world sees. We can't just look at the outward appearance. We can't just look at your accomplishments. We can't just admire you for, the, for all the things you've achieved in this world and how wealthy you are and all that stuff. So you're on TV, great, congratulations. We gotta admire you in such a way that is the same way we admire everybody else, that they're God's created. We gotta love people. This is where your faith is relevant. It's how well you love everybody, not just how you, well you love the people who can help you. And this is a faith challenge because it, it challenges you to take a look at where your value as a human comes from. Where does that come from? 
Does it come from comparing? You know, we, we always try to keep people, you know, I'm thin if I keep the right people around me. Think about that. You don't get it, do you? I could be the thinnest guy in the world if I can just collect the right kind of people around me and the most athletic. But God doesn't do that. We got to watch how we treat other people. So why don't you do this this week? Just, why don't you just take a really introspective look on how you feel around people who aren't your people? How you feel about people who are different than you? Students in class or at work. You know that guy at work, that girl at work that just drives you nuts? You know, that kind of, you know. That you've judged and you've put aside. Why don't you just pay attention to that? And don't try to get better at it. Try to correct your vision. You try to say, God, look at what's happening here. Look what I'm doing. Look how I see these people. And all of a sudden, God will begin to change your perspective. He'll show you something. He'll show you they're hurt. He'll show you what they're going through. He'll, he'll give you some empathy. He'll allow you to see, if you want to. Now, if you don't want to, he won't. But if you want to, he'll allow you to see other people the way he sees them. And you'll be able to treat people the way God treats them. And this is the power of faith in your life. This is where it makes a difference. This is where it changes things. This is where all of a sudden you can sense your value is inherent with your creator and not with your accomplishment. And you can treat everybody the same. Maybe this is just my problem. Maybe you got this going on. Pastors are terrible, man. We're trying to make a budget. You know, we got famous people coming in here, and it's like, hey, I'm looking past you to see who I can see. Guilty. I'm so sorry about it. I had a lady say, now I'm just rambling because I got a couple minutes. Listen. <laughs> I had a lady say to me, I'm always, before the church service, you know, I'm always just hanging out, meeting people, because I like people. And I had a lady back here, not this service, not you, lady, put your hand down, and uh, <laughs> say to me, oh, so you're hanging out with the common people today. I was like, oh, my God, that's how that lady sees me. I said, you won't get more common than me. I mean, I invented common. <laughs> and I sat right next to her and gave her a hug. I said, well, I said, I'm sorry, I haven't met you yet, but I don't want, oh, that scared me to death. It's like, is that, a, I treat, do I, I'm guilty, I get it. Do I treat church people differently based on what I see? Oh, God forbid that. That was a wake-up call for me. It's like, oh, I don't want that to be true. Common people. That's what I want to be. Just common folk. Broken in need of Jesus. That's what I want for sure. That's what I want our church to be. I want our church to be just a bunch of common people that understand their need for a Savior. So they can take the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that's dying and hurting and divided. 
And we can bring some unity together. Not when I'll fix it all, but we can fix some of it. Our church is a really good example of that. Let's just see people the way God sees them. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for seeing us all the same. We recognize that we live in a world that values prestige and power and fame and fortune and all that stuff. And we get bought into that and we just hear James tell us today that there's something evil about that. And somehow connected with this is the tragedy that happened in Buffalo and the horror and the evil of discrimination and how people suffer because of this worldview. So me and these followers that we're with on these three campuses, God, we want to be different. We, we want to be the people who sees the way you see and loves people the way you love and treats everybody with honor. We don't want to dishonor anybody. So give us wisdom on how to do that. And I pray that we would be the most loving, compassionate, caring people because of the way we see others. May our faith grow that big. In Jesus' name, amen.